This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Hi, my name is Steve. You're listening to Bible Toolbox. One of the questions that I've been asked is, how was the church designed to, to function in the New Testament? How was the church designed to function in the New Testament? Well, if you start reading the book of Acts, which was written by Dr. Luke, uh, you, you find that the, the church was by, designed by God to grow, to, is designed by God to be a community of believers. It was designed to, by God so that we would have a pathway back to him, no matter what we've done or where we've been. He's giving opportunity for every human person on earth to make a way back to him. If you read right at the beginning in Acts chapter 2, you'll find that God had a particular purpose for the way the church was designed. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42, this is what Luke wrote. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all those who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. You'll notice there in this passage here, there were some, there was actions going on. There was something happening in that community in Jerusalem. Okay. Christ had risen from the dead. He had sent his apostles back to Jerusalem for praying, for waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you read Acts chapter 1 and 2, you will see exactly what happened. And this is what changed people's lives. You have to understand that in Jerusalem at this time, there were still lots of foreigners, people who came from all over the Roman Empire, all around the Mediterranean, to Jerusalem for these holy festivals of the Passover and the Pentecost. And while they were there, some were saved. They were baptized and saved, and they were expected to do something. And this is the result of what's happening. So my question is this. If this is the way God designed his church— does that church still exist today? Now, I've been, I've been all over the world. I've been all over South Africa. I've uh, been able to minister and pastor in various churches and various groups. And many of them have totally different things to do than perhaps that I'm used to. They will have a totally different order of service. They will have a totally different way uh, to perform a wedding or a funeral. Um, they will even have a different way of ordaining a minister or elders, if that's what they do. They have all these things to do. But nowhere in the New Testament do you find an order of service for a worship service. You'll find no order of service for a wedding or a funeral or any of these things. And I think that was deliberate. Okay, I think that was deliberate. I think what God had designed was each community, each ethnic group, each language group has their own way of doing things. There are some things that we have to do, though, 
If you uh, turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 40, and I encourage you to read chapter 14 in its entirety, this is what it says. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly manner. In a fitting and orderly manner. In other words, when you come to worship, when you come to serve the Lord, when you come to be fed the spiritual nourishment that you need, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Now, I've been to some, I've been to some of our uh, Bantu brethren, and to me, as a white man, some of the things that they do and how they do it looks strange. They look strange. I say, but why do they do it that way? You know, they find it absolutely normal. This is part of their worship. This is part of their service to God. So I have to understand that I am a guest in their worship. I am a, I'm a welcome visitor according to what they do. I participate as I, as I can. Okay, language can sometimes be a barrier, but many times I've been in churches where English is not spoken, and someone will translate for me as best as they can, which I do appreciate. It kind of holds up the service because if you have someone who's teaching or preaching for a half hour through a translator, that turns into 45 minutes or an hour. So I have to have patience as well. I have to understand that I'm not there for them. I am there to worship our Father. He has given all of us a way to do these things, but as Paul wrote, done in a fitting and orderly manner. I mean, this is what we're supposed to do. So... That is one of the reasons why we have, we have to understand that the design for the church is spiritual. It's a spiritual act. It's part of God's great grace. He's saying, listen, this is what I've done for you. I've sent my son. You can see that he's victorious over death. You can see how I've set up the spiritual uh, elements of the church. Okay, the first church, where the first church followed the apostles' doctrine. In other words, teaching and preaching, okay? They shared with their gifts of giving, all right? They had all things in common. If someone has a need, they met that need. This is what they were, this is what they were doing. The breaking of bread, of course, refers to the Lord's table, the communion. So they had everything, and, and they, day by day, they were attending from house to house. They went from house to house, breaking bread, remembering Christ. So this wasn't just sort of like, oh, well, in the... When you come on a Sunday morning, you know, you've got to have a guy handing out the hymn books. You've got to sit in this place. That's where your name is. We have all those things being done. But in the end of the day, we are there for a spiritual reason, too. We're there for a spiritual reason, too. And I would like, I would like everybody just to take a step back that when you go to worship, you don't go to look at somebody else and say, oh, those people over there, oh, my goodness, don't tell me they're here. I've heard that said. You know, um, it's a spiritual gift of grace that we go to worship. It's a spiritual gift of grace that we, that we attend a church meeting, okay? This is, this is what we have to start understanding. We, ourselves, are not the objective, God and his son, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is the objective of worship, of praise, of giving, of helping, of securing God's grace in our life. And this is a, week, this is, this is a weekly thing. I know we've reduced the church to a weekly meeting, but in the first church, you'll read there, they went from house to house daily. Not everybody, 
But as they had need, groups of people would visit homes to break bread, to, uh, to discuss the apostles' doctrine, to give, to help. This is what they were there for. This is how they viewed themselves. They were a separate community. They were a community of believers. You know, and I sure wish we could get rid of names on the churches. I know that I know that uh, every church has its own way of doing things, and I, as much as I appreciate that. But, you know, aren't we a community of believers? When I meet someone, sometimes they ask me, oh, Steve, what church do you go to? I know what they're asking. They're asking, well, uh, what's the name of the building of the church that you go to? Okay. They're not satisfied when I say, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I believe in Christ. And they'll say, well, I do too. And I said, well, then fine. We have this fellowship in Christ. You might have a different set of rules that you'd like to, to have and regulations according to the way your structure is set up. But aren't we all part of the same community? My wife is an Orthodox believer. Okay, now the Orthodox churches have very set festivals and fasting and all the celebrations that they want to remember. Okay, now I don't participate in that. I don't believe that, that that's fine with me if that's what she wants to do. She has the freedom to worship as she pleases, just as much as she recognizes my freedom to worship where I need to be. So we have to have this freedom with one another that our worship, our coming to gather together is a communal thing. This is a community of believers helping, assisting, and taking action with one another, okay? So it's more like a family than it is a congregation where we're sitting and all doing the same thing. It's more of a family. This one has a need. This one needs this. This one has to go somewhere. We have to understand that all these things are part and parcel of our communal life as believers. This is what the first church did. That's what they want. That's what they wanted together. They recognized each other as believers. Were they different? Yes. Did they speak different languages? Look in Acts chapter 2. You'll see that there are many different languages. Okay? But they all had one thing in common. They came to Christ. They put their faith in Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, their community of believers were serving where they needed to serve. I hope you go to a congregation like that. I hope that you feel at home as part of God's family, wherever you worship, however you worship, because God will bless you and those around you because of your attitude and your willingness to open your hands and arms to those you may not know. My name is Steve. Thank you so much for listening. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.